Hello, friend. Welcome, everyone, to Almost Cancelled. I am Peter, that is Connor, and we are going to talk about Mr. Robot Season 4, Episode 1. And interestingly, the title of the episode is very different from... I remember them talking about this a while back, actually. Uh, very different. Uh, the episode title is 401 Unauthorized. And if you recall, the reason why that's weird is because Seasons 1, 2, and 3 all had uh, episode titles that were representing file names of different computer files and looked kind of atrocious to read as a result. I was kind of gobsmacked when I glanced at the title of this one when I went to play it, and it just looked like a regular word, and I could read it. <laughs> yeah, because obviously the gimmick before was every episode had a different file format mm-hmm. at the end. Uh, I, I think they just ran out of all the main ones now, so they've switched to error codes by the look of it. Yes. Um, ran out of all the, they ran out of all the main ones in season one. Season two and three were a bunch of weird things i never they, heard they of. Yeah, okay, true. Um, but yeah, so... Yes, Mr. Robot's back, baby. The final season, uh, 13 episodes this year, uh, and then we're going to be done. The entire thing, bar, bar and a scene or two, is set over Christmas period 2015, where really... I mean, the entire show's been set in 2015. This is, you know... Um, yeah. So... You know, we we have thirteen episodes. Uh, we should be ending around Christmas. It'll actually end around that time of the year. Yeah, I was curious as to where we'd start with this, and I was curious to see what the focus was going to be because I like your season three had this big bombastic ending, and it had Elliot making this kind of like pact with Mister Robot to like actually take White Rose down, take the Dark Army down, and this episode does some ballsy things and i think it's maybe not as strong as the season three opener because the season three opener uh was probably the best season opener that well maybe not counting the pilot i suppose because the pilot was really good but like like the season Mm. three opener was especially fantastic and i think this episode is really solid it's really great and but it has one or two scenes that really stick out as being notable and being kind of intriguing as to what they're doing this year and we're a better place to start than at the end of the previously on where it does the uh what i'll call the the lost season four finale trick where the end of the previously on uh, was a scene just, from the just carries on running. The, the end of the, the previously on was a scene from the end of season three because uh, if you learn from this lost the, the structure was is that it have flashbacks and stuff like that so it cut back to like a flashback or whatever from the the end of season three's and the opening scene just continued on from the scene in the flashback uh, from, the, from the previously on. Uh, this did this here where you have the scene with Angela and Price at his house. And it's like, oh, yeah, I remember this scene. And, and I thought, oh, this is interesting. I'm letting this really play out. You know, not chopping up like they did the rest of the scenes. And then it just kept going and it went into and new material. Like, oh, that's why. <laughs> so, uh, you know, so the scene keeps going. And... Angela, of course, is dealing with what what's happened. She she feels to blame for the death. She's like, oh, you know, White Rose's device was going to bring my mum back. Yada yada yada. That was the stuff from you before. Uh, that was already there uh, last yeah. season. And and Philip's like, no, you know, you it was all just because of me. It was to get back at me. You you were you were kind of nothing. And Angela, you know, she she's what are you going to do? And this is you. Know, and I'll be honest, like I'd have to go back and watch the finale of season three again to tell you the exact moment that it kept going um like yeah me too there's just a moment where you realize hang yeah. on this is new now uh but you know she she wants retribution because she asks like what are you going to do about weight rose and he's like what do you mean and she's like i want in um you know I, like i know her device is real and she still sounds a little bit crazy but she's like but i know how to take it from her and that's when his demeanor completely changes to you know sharp sharp like and you kind of like immediately get that he's scared for her now you, you get an inkling already but it's it's actually the moment. It's the moment. Um, she says to him, "Uh, no, I'm not going to back down and like you know forget about there's, this. There's nothing you can say or do to change my mind. There's nothing you can say or do to stop me. And it's as soon as she finishes that sentence, you hear a car door. It's as soon as she finishes that sentence, you hear a car door, and then his demeanor. You know, he's like, I wish you hadn't said that. And and you just you know they're watching. And he starts begging. He starts begging for her to like, oh, repent, repent, and like you know beg for forgiveness and you know promise that you won't. So, and I think what's interesting about the rest of this scene um, is obviously it's, it's this weird kind of handoff where we got a lot of price last year and even in season two we got a lot of price but he's become more of a main character throughout those seasons and I think this scene in a lot of ways given where it goes 
uh, kind of like hands off to him as being another like I feel like this season Price is going to be one of the main characters. I agree because it literally kind of shifts focus onto him and we just follow him and we stay on you know the, on him for for all of the rest of the scene after a point. Yeah, um, but obviously for Angela. You know, she knows what's coming because she hears the car door. She she knows they're being watched. She knows they're there, and she still says, "No, I'm not going to apologize. I'm not going to repent. I'm not going to even like fight or uh, to hide or run or anything like that." Um, Angela, you know, makes this choice to go out um on her own terms. So yeah, the opening scene of season four, allegedly, I'm saying that because I'm not necessarily as sure there's not going to be a swerve, but allegedly kills Angela. I mean, I would say it definitely kills her. There, There is a, a distinct gunshot to the back of the head. Mm-hmm. She is unequivocally dead in this moment. In this moment. <laughs> okay. I'm, I, I'm not saying, okay, there's not shenanigans that could happen. But I'm fairly sure, yes, she died there. Wait. So if you th- if you think there could be shenanigans, how can there be shenanigans if you're just saying she's definitively dead at this moment? Well, I mean, one, she could be revived, be resuscitated, maybe. I don't know, but I'm saying she died there and then, and I don't know the specifics. And then, of course, we have yeah. There's the. Could you please? Could you please explain to me how you get resuscitated from a gunshot to the front of the forehead? I don't know. Well, it's back of the head, surely. But I mean. Semantics. Uh, I don't know. I'm not. I'm, I'm no medicine. I'm no doctor. I'm just saying. A hole all the way through the brain is not resuscitationable. Resuscitable. I don't know. Um, no, 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 no. Like, I mean, uh, no. I, I'm not saying I, I, I think she's not dead here. I'm. I'm saying uh, if there's going to be a swerve, I don't think she can be definitively dead in this scene and also have a swerve. I do. Depending on what the, the swerve may be, you know, I think it was all last season we were speculating. I mean, even, in, you know, we get a nice reminder here where Angela talks about, oh, she was going to, you know, we were going to be with my mum again. We, we, we were speculating a lot about some potential time travel shenanigans. Yeah, but are you actually thinking we're going down that path? Is that what you're saying? No, I don't. But I'm saying I, I'm not convinced because it's still just there in the back of my mind uh, throughout the episode. But I'm not convinced of it. <laughs> That's the problem. Um, but but I'm leaving it open as a possibility. In that way, she could have been dead here and still still have shenanigans later. You, there's a four of her later with a hole in the front of her head. Yes, yes, there is. I'm not disputing that. Okay. I just, oh, jeez. I'm just leaving the time travel draw open a crack. That's all. Just a crack. All right. Um, or, or, or possibly some sort of cloning. Okay, all right. Um, so this episode, uh, this sorry, this scene. Uh, what I think is fascinating to me about the character dynamics of this scene is that Angela accepts what's happening, and she'd rather just face it um, and not like basically betray her character or betray who she is and betray what she believes in right now by pretending to beg or by pretending to, you know, oh, I won't speak to anyone. You know, she doesn't do any of that. She goes out strong as a character. She goes out, uh, you know, she, she maybe dies, sure, and yeah, there's obviously a very tragic scene. It's really well handled. I felt really tense as, you know, Philip's walking away and you see the two guys come out of frame and walk past him and yeah. you go up to him and shoot her in the head and, you know, then double tap her. Like, all that stuff is great. But what I think is interesting from this scene, is since we are f- shifting to Philip, is that I think one of the driving forces for Philip throughout this season is going to be the fact that he isn't a man of integrity or someone who sticks up for himself. He is someone who is a, a snivering, a shriveling little wimp who yes. who's begging White Rose for forgiveness, who is scared of White Rose. And I think a big part of the story for this season for him is going to be wanting to honor Angela and the fact that Angela, even at this moment where she knew she was going to die, did not betray how she felt, regardless of how crazy she may or may not have been about what she believed. Like, mm. she was not willing to give in and betray her. You, you uh, think Philip kind of becomes a, a hero in a sense? Um, uh, a hero is a strong. I, I I don't know if I want to say hero, but just just that he doesn't alter what he believes or who he is 
for White Rose. Because he, he may still be evil, he may still be bad, but no. he will not alter or pretend to be anything else just to, you know, make just White to Rose happy. Just to stay alive a little bit longer. Yes. Um, yeah. you know, does that mean he ends up essentially doing something heroic? Possibly, but I'm not necessarily jumping to that path. I'm just saying that I think it's important to him, especially since he's probably going to want revenge for Angela. Uh, since and he probably, does, since he yeah. does seem to very much care, so well, I mean that was his driving motivation for at least last season. Was hey, you leave my daughter out of this? Pretty much, I'll do whatever you want. Uh, and when we follow him into the house, White Rose is on the phone, um, and he's like, "She made her choice, blah blah blah." And you know, Price is angry. He's like, "No, you you recruited her, you put her in this position, you you sort of led in this path until she really had no choice," and. Little fellow making touch here I really liked is that, you know, White Rose says something like, uh, like, it's something really uncaring about it. And Price responds with, she was my daughter. But what I like about the, tu- the, the fellow making touch here is, you know, during this conversation, Price is smashing a, you know, a vase and he's, he's screaming at him. And we stay in Price the entire time. But we cut to White Rose, where White Rose is, just before he says, she was my daughter. So to emulate the fact that White Rose doesn't give a shit that this is his daughter, that you know this personal idea of attachment, we cut to his side or her side of the uh, the conversation where we can just hear it muffled through this, you know, the, the phone sound effect. You know, it's going through that yeah, filter. Yeah, like, uh, we we don't care either. Yeah. So it feels really cold. It feels really cold that for the moment, the most heartbreaking moment where he says, "No, she was my daughter." Damn it! Like we don't hear that properly. We hear it yeah. through this filter. And you know, White Rose is like, "Sorry for your loss," and just hangs up, and that's that's it. So that was just a nice touch from the filmmaking of to when to cut and how to use the audio to kind of give it this effect. Yeah, I agree. Um, and you know, White Rose's helper is like, "Oh, that Elliot," because this is still set, you know, right at the end of season three. Uh, that Elliot, you know, he's he's hacked for the for the shipping stuff has went through and blah 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 blah. This could be a problem. Um, but you know, we have to like you know. Because because where was it? No, we, we won't kill him. Maybe once the the shipment's complete and the the devices in the Congo, then then we'll kill him. And that how long is that going to take? Oh, that'll be right around Christmas, you know. Which is you know, so we, we transition to Christmas period, uh, you know, after this, you know, but nice big shock and past past the head and over the ocean, and then it kind of goes to New York at Christmas and credits come up. Yeah, yeah. As as it's looking around at various Christmas trees and so on and so yeah. on. So. And Christmas is actually really cool. I will get to that in a later scene why Christmas is actually a really fun setting for, for what they're doing thematically. But, yeah, so she, she's like, uh, oh, we have to deal with that Elliot Alderson. He's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a plague or whatever she says. And White Rose says, send him a reminder then of what's at stake should he should he do anything, you know, that we don't want. And later on we find out they sent a photo to him of Angela um, I have to assume that's what they're talking about in this scene. I would assume so, yeah. yeah. Um, I, mean, I mean, it's open for them to surprise us with it being something else, but mm. I don't think so. Yeah, I think it's that. Uh, and so after the opening credits, we get uh, Jake Busey. We get a Busey in the, in the show. Every, everything's better with a Busey. Everything's better. Uh, he's in season three of Stranger Things and season four of Mr. Robot. This man is d- getting around, doing some good work. Hitting the classics. Yeah. I, what I thought was interesting about this scene, actually, is this entire segment, which is a good 15 minutes or whatever. Is, is that long? Yeah, from, from, from the moment we meet Jake Busey till his demise, it's a good... Because see, by the time that he mm. we get to the end of the scene where he's like, killed himself on the street, um, we're basically at, almost at the 30-minute mark of the hour-long episode. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. It's a, it's a long time. Um, So... Yeah, so so we mean this whole thing though. It very much felt like uh, season one started this way of Elliot using yeah. a sex offender's records to you know kind of like and it, it, it felt back to basics. Yeah, it, it felt like he was using what he knows to sort of you know do what he does. But also because it's the final season, it just has this kind of nice callback to the start of the story kind of element to it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so he gets some Christmas party and he shows him this video. He's got a Skype call that he did with a kid, and it's you know all very you know incriminating. And he wants him to use this USB stick. He wants him to go to Grand Central, uh, you know, so he can use all the all the emails in his inbox and look at stuff and yada yada yada. And he's freaking out. Obviously, the filmmaking's great. Um, there's a nice transition when he gets into this cab to go to Grand Central. Uh, we actually, it's almost like it goes to the equivalent of like a loading screen in a video game, but it's like the the news report playing. Yeah, okay. Because well, it made me think of like Mass Effect in the elevator where you're just waiting and then you come out and, and you're at the new place. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, because at the end of the scene, it comes back out from the TV in the back of the cab, and then he's always oh, the Grand Central. Get out of the car, you know, over here. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, we find out the economy is booming. Uh, because Elliot undid the hack, nine five's been erased, and uh, Tyrell's been seen as a hero. He's <laughs> never. Everything's looking up right now. Yeah, he's right. He's the public face of E-Corp and uh, everyone's like, no, nah, Christmas is great. Everyone go buy presents because we're not in financial ruin anymore. And, you know, yada, yada, yada. Seems as good a reason as any to celebrate Christmas, I guess. <laughs> no. Wish we'll be able to say the same. Yeah. Well, what, what I like about it is that it's really using Christmas as this idea of, like, people ignoring everything that's wrong and just sort of, like, burying their heads in something happy. Uh, yeah. Which isn't necessarily a critique, but it's definitely this idea of once that all goes away. Uh... Well, that's it's very much the Christmas to New Year period is very much this kind of hazy, just no one really sure what's going on. No one's really paying attention to anything. Mm-hmm. And then it gets to like the 1st or 2nd of January. And it's like, shit, it's a new year now. Got to get back to reality. So I'm kind of feeling, like, OK, we'll probably get towards that at the end of the season. You know, as, as we go through the Christmas mm-hmm. period, we'll hit that reality at the end. So, yeah, so Red Grand Central, obviously there's a lot of sort of thriller stuff here where he's on the phone talking to Mr. Robot, which is... It no- felt like I was watching Homecoming. Uh, a little bit, actually. Uh, notably here, up until this point, everything's been Mr. Robot, not Elliot. It's been Mr. Robot yes. on the phone, it's been Mr. Robot talking to him. Uh, there's a little bit where they're, they're, you know, they've been, he's been followed by uh, Dark Army, and notably Freddy here, uh, uh, Busey's character, as soon as he hears that, that that phrase, he knows what it means and he's terrified. Like, he's terrified that this is who's after him. And, you know, they did a little trick where he, they kind of like distract him for a minute because he, like, he makes it look like he drops like a note and like a busker's, you know, guitar case. case. Yeah, so um, he like, took your money in and, and they go rifling through and that keeps them busy for 20 seconds, 30 seconds, yeah. just enough. Then we get him to the train where Elliot's waiting and this is where we see... And there's a nice audio uh, transition here between the voices because it, it goes from Christian Slater to to uh, Malek. Um, yeah. But uh, what I did notice is when he's looking through all this stuff, he's looking for the Trojan horse, which uh, turns out to be where White Rose keeps keeps the money, uh, which is the, the bank that's used, uh, Cyprus uh, National. Uh, uh, makes sense to, you know, strike at the heart of the capitalist. Yeah, yeah it does. Uh, what's interesting, though, so there's a, a thing set up here where... Uh, you know, he's asking Freddie for more information. And Freddie says, "Oh, maybe I have a contact in the city. Uh, that's John Gar- Garson." And what I noted here, especially because I watched this twice, is uh, the second time, knowing where it goes later on, is really paying attention to uh, Busey's face before he makes that suggestion. Uh, mm. Is actually very telling. It's, just, it's like, it? oh yeah, it's just like no, he he's just thought of something sneaky to do. Like, you can see it in his face. Um, Interesting, but it's, it's there. It's definitely there to find. So. Um, what I think is interesting here, uh, they find out that he's tracking him because he's got a Bluetooth like sort of badge on. It uh, felt actually genuinely unintentional this one, because um, you, know, you know Elliot's like, "Hey, I told you to leave all your electronics oh, behind," sure, yeah. and he's like, "Oh, I did." Uh, never even crossed his mind to think of the paths. Absolutely. Uh, what I liked about this is you know they get outside a bit of chase for a bit. Um, what I liked though is that the moment that Freddy realizes that Elliot actually can't protect him. Like, Elliot mm-hmm. loses all power. He loses all power in the conversation because he has nothing to offer him. Because yeah. Freddy realizes that one, after he's done whatever Elliot wants, he's probably just dead. Because Dark he's Tom's dead anyway, so why bother? Yeah, and we still had a gun on him because he tried to threaten Elliot you know, when he first got on the train. Uh, and, you know, he kills himself. And it's this, you know, just like dark ending to the scene. And it feels his like... Last, his last words are just like, bang, Elliot, just... just... Don't release the video to to the family and kids or yeah. the FBI. Just just let him go out as you know as a suicide. Let let him let him think it's tragic that he killed himself, but not that he was quite that terrible. Yeah, yeah. Um, now it's really trying to, and I think we'll get into sort of Elliot's mind a little bit uh, the next time we see him. But uh, this was definitely the first seed of like how Elliot's operating right now, and how kind of yeah. reckless and dangerous he's being. But uh yeah we we see tyrell for one scene at e-corp uh he's just kind of fl- you know basically frustrated with how much pr bullshit he's having to do he's, he's like can we push things and the woman's like no you're all booked up for tomorrow too uh but it just it re-emphasized this idea that she's turned and says oh, hey i just want to say before i go that we all see you as a hero around here for fixing everything uh, because yeah. of course he was the made the face of all this, and he's got a bit of a guilt conscience, I think. Yeah, so not a lot of Tyrell in this episode, but curious to see where we where we go. I'm with sure him. we'll get some more as we go on in the season. 
who we do cut to though is Dom, uh, who who is staying at her mum's right now. And She's of not course, in a great place. I mean, she was left in a horrible place at the end of last season. You know, being yeah, forced yeah. to like, you know, basically almost like we were just saying earlier on how angela was able to keep her pride uh at the end and not you know compromise her character and go out just go out sort of with honor as it were mm. uh dom was basically forced to give up her honor in a weird way you she know? was broken yeah she was broken darlene put her in this corner where she had to betray her, her character and uh, we see her being very paranoid, and I, I noticed the, the the film making here specifically. There was a very close camera the whole time, and and it almost always focused on her, never looking away from her at what she was yeah, seeing. But it was, but it, was it was handheld, and it was very close. And what I mean by that is obviously there's a lot of close ups in movies and stuff, but I do actually mean specifically that it, this was not the camera's far back and it zoomed in, and it's like a you know a long angle or a long lens kind of moment. Yeah. No, no. The camera, you can, you can, there's a feel to it. It feels kind of in your face. There's a right in front of it, yeah. yeah. It feels different. Um, and it had that feeling. But notably, because yeah, she's looking out the window and she's looking at license plates, she's, she's nervous that anyone who drives up into the, you know, to the house is, you know, Dark Army coming to get her. Um, notably, uh, the, the, the filming still completely changes. The second, because she, she gets her a gun, she hears someone in the house and she goes down. And it turns out to be like, there's like, like a workman who's coming to like, do the bathroom. And yeah. the camera's shaking still the whole time. She's got the gun on him. And it's the moment her mum walks on the scene. Almost to point out how sort of ludicrous she's being, the camera completely shifts to being a completely static, simple... Very you know, standard TV. Shooting style, yeah. yeah. Uh, it still has some of that Ismail shoot, uh, headroom, don't get me wrong. Oh, sure, but... yeah. I mean, I don't think there's any shots in this that don't. Yeah, but you know, it's like it just it starkly changes to really simple, and it's almost to point out as soon as the mum walks in the room, just how silly she was being, how silly like, this felt. No, no, this is a really mundane thing, and she's overreacting. Yeah, so really, really good, really, really well shot. The, the, the shooting of that really told told us a lot about how, what how Dom's going. Obviously, the way yeah. she looks as well, and is the way a, she's acting. But is Esmail directing all of this again? I never checked. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Uh, did he direct all season three? I don't know if he did all. Of I don't think he did. No, I think I think Homecoming is the only thing he's directed all of. But I thought he did all of season two at least. But I could be wrong. I don't think so. Um, maybe I'm wrong. Oh no, wait, hold on. He may have directed all of season two. If I remember correctly, because I remember him tweeting that he was crazy enough to direct the whole thing, but not write the whole thing himself. I think that was something he said that, at one that point. That sounds familiar. He may, maybe he did do all of season two. Yeah, maybe he did. Yeah. Um, I, I certainly all felt Esmail. Um, it did. I, I never actually checked. Yeah. Uh, so then we go to Elliot's new base, which turns out to be all safe. Which again, it's kind of like harkening back to season one. We're we're back in a season one kind of feeling place, and yeah. he's he's you know he's looking through things. Mister Robot, of course, is there as well. And this is where it really kind of sets into what Elliot's mind is right now. Uh, he's being reckless, you know. Mister Robot says, "Okay, we should re- you know uh, research this Garson guy as we do everyone and make sure we know who he is, what he's what he's up to." And the funny thing is, when it turns out to be a trap. If they had done some research to find out who he is, they probably would have quite quickly discovered that he's not real. Yeah, but uh, Elliot's like, no, we don't have time for this right now. You know, we, we're on. It took us two weeks to 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 get to Freddy, and we don't have that time right now. So we're just gonna have to risk it. Uh, which again is something that he never would have done for. Remember, like Steel Mountain, how mm-hmm. meticulous that was. And then this is just we've just got to do it. There's a sense of desperation. Yeah, and you know, Mister Robot raises: Is this becoming too personal? Is this about saving the world, like it was supposed to be, or is this? And this is the first time we hear it referenced in this, you know, new part of the timeline. Uh, is this about what they did to Angela? And you know, Ellie gets very kind of angry and kind of explains, "No, it's not. F my feelings. It's not about Angela. This is about everything." And this is where he talks about the Christmas season and how everyone's forgetting the five nine. You know, it's almost like, "Oh, everyone's back to normal. We can all buy presents now." Like everyone's forgetting. Do you know what it reminded mm. me of? It reminded me of. Um, the speech in Batman Begins, where uh, Bruce talks about how people need dramatic examples to shoot them out of apathy, um, it was kind of giving me kind of that vibe. Is no, no, we have to remind them because they're forgetting, and once they forget, like White Rose can just go back to business as normal, and like yeah. that's it. They just get away with everything. So uh, I really like that. I like that as a sort of point out. And we're on page two. I'm in notes. Oh, there's that many notes, is the <laughs> that right? There is. Um, <laughs> at the end of the scene, though, of course, Darlene phones. Yes, and she's sounding uh, off her head, to put it mildly. Yeah, and again, this was one of these things where uh, the filming t- uh, told us a lot. When she came into Elliot's apartment, because that's where we go to next, uh, she she is, sh- and this is really notable in this case, 
is that because often typically when you've got a scene with two characters and you're cutting back and forth or three or whatever doesn't matter how many um you you have similar shots for all the characters that was not true in this scene uh, no. all of darlene's shots were not only handheld but they were high angled looking down and felt very uh very intense very kind of off killer oh you know what i i Usually, you know, I, I, I'll butt in and, and suggest something. Uh-huh. I was going to suggest off-kilter. I thought, no, I'll wait. I'll let you get through it. And then you came up with it anyway. Exactly. So, trust me. Basically. Well, that's the lesson. I feel like that was so specific that usually you wouldn't have got to that exact thing. Shut up. Um, so, she she says she thinks she's seen Angela, right? And it's, it's funny because her thinking she saw Angela... Is very reminiscent to Angela's like you know delirious attitude after the the attacks last season, yes. right? It, it felt very similar to that to me. Uh, well, something I loved here was the oh, second she says that. The second <laughs> she favorite. she says that, Elliot rolls his eyes and just walks off off frame. And as he does it, Mister Robot walks in. It's just it's, the, like, it's like this is your problem. Yeah, there's just this great switch where he just doesn't want to hear this. He doesn't I want do, to hear it. This is my favorite moment of the episode where he's just like, "Screw this, Robot, you're taking it." yeah um and she thinks she saw angela at this place and she's like they never found the body which is noble that's, a, that's an important detail in the context of this i mean it is but i mean i imagine they have very good cleanup crews Pro- probably yeah there's a reason why they probably didn't find a body but i just you know worth mentioning in case it's relevant later but i do you know i love um you know he, they, they kind of fight ellie is very intense at one point he kind of walks right into her face and backs her up against the wall and he's like angela is dead like and it's almost like this is you know this has broken him and he's refusing to kind of like show his his vulnerability i think he's went through too much to really reveal it and one of my favorite moments of the episode actually is coming up right after this uh you know darlene leaves kind of pissed off and mr robot says hey you know why don't we just show the photograph that, that they sent us and there's a shot of Elliot as he's like getting stuff from his computer he's like putting stuff in a bag you know for, you know because they're gonna go see this garson's place and he's looking over his shoulder um, right after uh, Mr. Robot suggests this, so why don't we just show this photo? And he looks over his shoulder, and there's like a one-frame flash. And yeah. even though when you're watching the episode, and I've seen the screenshot afterwards to just so I could look at it, but like when you're watching the episode, it's obviously too quick to really process it. But you know exactly what the photo was. It's beautiful yeah. because you know exactly that they just flashed the photo at you. And do you know what I want to say as well is uh, going back to how this season has taken all these cues from season one. Mm-hmm. Season one wore its Fight Club influence on its sleeve, right? It did all sorts of things that played with that influence. And this, again, you know, that, that was a, a Fight Club thing, wasn't it? In, inserting mm. things for, for one frame. Yeah. And Mr. Robot improved the Fight Club uh, hey, ideas. Hey, I'm not arguing that. I'm just saying... I'm just throwing it out there. Mr. Robot's better. But, it is, and I like Fight Club. But my favorite part of this, though, isn't the, the photo flash itself. My favorite part of this is when it happens specifically, because he's looking over his shoulder after Mr. Robot says this, it flashes, and after it flashes, he sort of like says it would break her heart, and it's still the same shot. And what I love about that is that this is the one moment in the episode, barring maybe the ending when he's really freaking out, where it's kind of his true emotions kind of peeking out, where it kind of shows... Like, it's not just focus on the job, it's actually how he feels. And yeah, but, no, to, but, to... But, but more specifically... What he's saying about Darlene is about himself. This broke his heart. It is, yeah, and it's again, it's you know, he's not wanting to process and deal with that. That's why he's throwing himself into just work. Yeah, um, and it's funny because you know I, I'm kind of expecting a swerve with Angela in some way, somehow. Um, I was, I was, I was actually half expecting her to uh, walk into this shot and and almost as a second Mister Robot essentially at some point. Um, like it wouldn't shock me if they did something like that, but. I think what's interesting about it is I think if you want to accuse, accuse of, of being fridged, and I think it's a conversation that we probably have to mention, is that I think what's interesting here is that she, she's not, like, her death is not just impacted one person. It's affected at least three major characters, right? Yeah. So that's important. We've got, we got Elliot, we got Darlene, and then later we'll talk about Price a bit more. But w- the other thing that I think is interesting about it is that I think the only reason why it might feel that way, if you're not, you know, giving it the the, the sort of the the credit that it's it's maybe deserved, is let me pose this question to you: If the scene we got at the start of this episode had just been at the end somewhere in the finale of last season, you know, because it's basically a scene from last season, right? It just yeah, continues. Yeah, okay, I know where you're going with this. Right? Yeah. Had it been there, would it have just felt like a nice natural end to her story that season? Tragic, sure, but a natural end to what the story was for her that season. 
Uh, I think absolutely yes, which is why, yeah, I, I don't think it comes across as fridging yeah, at all. I agree. Because... The only thing that makes this shocking, and uh, don't get me wrong, I was shocked they killed Angela in the opening scene. Do you know what? I, I know, uh, but... like, the before only... this aired, Esme was like, hey, guys, uh, if you can watch this live, because there's going to be spoilers immediately. Oh, sure. But the only thing that makes this shocking is that it's the opening scene of the season. That is the only yes. thing. The fact that they held this back, and I don't know if they shot it when they were shooting the, you know, that scene in season three and they just held it. I don't know, you know, whatever. But That is ballsy if they've sat on this for that long. Yeah. But like because they've just cut it and put it at the start of this season as the opener, it feels way more shocking because they killed Angela in the first scene of a, a season? What? Right? Yeah. That is the only thing that makes it... Sh- I mean, it would have been tragic. It's still been a really good scene and shocking. But, you know, but... but it is, it's more shocking at the start of a season than it is at the end. Because yeah. at the end, stakes are high. Things are going bad. You expect often a death in TV shows. Not, you know, depend on the TV show, obviously. But yeah. and if it's, you... it's a natural place to have it. And if you thought uh, season one, you know, uh, with Shayna, the neighbor? Uh, Shayla? Shayla, it was Shayla. Um, okay. If you thought her death was hard to take, because it was. Like, that was a really was, well done absolutely. moment in season one. Angela's death is like way more devastating. <laughs> like, oh, holy this, shit. this was next level. Just and and the idea that you know it's just out of focus. It's in the background. We're on Philip the whole time, mm-hmm. and he's just determined not to look back at it. Yeah, um, it's almost like her anger's passed on to him, and that's has going to be his driving force you know, for the season. Mm. But uh, um, yeah, so here's here's where something that's never happened before happens. Mister Robot, as in Christian Slater, Mister Robot starts talking to us. He starts and talking again, to us. Elliot hasn't spoken to us all episode. No, he hasn't. No, he says he's not talking to you. In fact, one of his lines later that I did note down is, uh, "He's keeping you away, but I'll let you in." And he makes it very clear. Uh, Mister Rod doesn't like us. Doesn't like us. The, you know, the friend. He doesn't like us. But he thinks Elliot needs needs us. He thinks that you know we need need you, and we need a friend. That's what you are, right? That's the end of the, the whole narration speech. Is like, we need a friend, and that's what you are, right? Um, it's a, it is a genuine question, though. It's like, right? Yeah. Uh, he's um, not sure. And even at one point, it says, and you know, that's why you're back, right? You know, as if like, yeah, we've been gone for a while because the TV yeah, show's not like, uh, you know, we, we, you missed those two months, but you're back now because the interesting stuff's going on, right? Um. So, but no, he's worried about him. He doesn't like us, but he's worried about Elliot. So he wants our help, and I think it's a really interesting because it's much like how season three kind of shook things up by having uh, Angela work with Mister Robot behind Elliot's back. You've got this other thing here where now we have Mr. Robot trying to work with us. Not necessarily behind Elliot's back. It's more of a, a intervention kind of thing. But Yeah, because I, I don't think Elliot's necessarily unaware of it. He probably could be if he wanted to be because I feel it's all him. Well, um, he, he could be, but I don't think he is. No, no, but it's not like it's being hidden from him. He's just not looking for it. Oh, sure, sure. Uh, but they get to the apartment. Uh... And Elliot's ignoring all the signs. Oh, I should mention the cereal-eating uh, receptionist. He's not eating cereal just yet, is he? Yeah, no, he starts eating cereal. But what you're thinking is that when we come back to him when the bad guys are uh, coming, uh, he puts on some music. Uh, so he's still eating no. the cereal, but he's listening to music. He's listening to Be Fair Happy. Enough. Yeah. But, but yeah, he's eating the cereal already. He pours it at the start of the scene. Um, but uh, they're in the apartment, and he's, Elliot is ignoring all the warning signs because you know, it's Mr. so like obvious immediately. Because Mister Robot, even before they get in the apartment, Mister Robot says this is the quietest building in New York, or something iffy about this. And Elliot's just not listening; he doesn't care. He's like, "No, we're here. We got lucky. He's not here. We can search the place." And there's dust on everything. And there's, there's price a photo tags frame with still the stock picture. From yeah, the yeah. There's price tags dangling from the lamps and stuff. And it's like this is so, so clear. Get the hell out of there right now. So sure enough, they get grabbed and we get Be Happy playing as he's dragged out the building. We cut to Dom uh, for her next big scene. Uh, they're at dinner with uh, Dom's mum. And uh, Dom's mum's like try to set her up with someone from her church or something like that. Uh, this, this other woman. Um, what I really liked about the filmmaking here is that you actually have uh, Dom's mum completely centre frame. Her shot, whenever it cuts to her, because she's in the middle of the table, is completely centre. She's really intrusive. And it's uh, it's actually quite interesting. It's like the camera is sat on the opposite seat, like kind at the other of, end yeah. of the table. Yeah, um, but it was come between the other two, you know, Dom and this other person. But there's a moment where it crosses the line, where it crosses to the other side of Dom and her mum. And the moment that it happens is when Dom's mum is making an excuse. She's like, "Oh yeah, I'm I'm going to go to bed." Hey Dom, why don't you help? Uh, I'll call her Susie. I don't remember her name. Uh, why don't you help like Janice Susie? Or something like Janice, yeah. Why don't you help her with uh, taking out the leftovers to her car? 
And once she says that, it crosses the line uh, in the film, you know, in the, in the line of sight between them to the opposite side. As Dom looks at her and goes, "It's only macaroni." It's basically her questioning, the, the, like, "Why are you?" At? That's weird. Like, it's almost like it's showing that her detective brain has just kicked in because she's yeah. like, "Why are you asking me to do that? That is weird." And obviously, we get, you know, if we didn't, if we didn't get it already, you know, it's clearly spelled out when they get outside that you know, her mom was trying to set her up. Yeah, it's kind of clear throughout the meal because yeah. you know they're like, "Hey, you know, that was a." an attractive nun or whatever it was, whoever she was i can't remember and uh and she's like isn't that right janice uh, you know and kind of like you know hey you know similar interest so yeah trying to make it very clear to dom yeah and they get outside and she's like hey sorry mom was trying to set us up and the other woman's like oh i think she got the wrong idea you know implying she's not even gay she's like oh that didn't even like that's just weird um but like you know, and she's like, "Oh, I remember I said you had troubles, and you've been drinking." I was like, "Oh, has she <laughs> talking a bit yeah. too much?" But it there's, a, there's a great funny moment in this bit as well, where there's a big, is it like a tiger or something in the car? Yeah, it's like a stuffed tiger. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, Dub's a little bit shocked at first, just on seeing it there, and she's like, oh, you know, I'm a taxidermist. It's oh, were you t- stuffed animals as a kid? She just looks at her really blank, and goes, "No." Yeah, no, not really. Yeah. Proper uh, chuckle to that. So, yeah, but of course, as she's walking back to the house, uh, she, you know, the, the woman says, "Yeah, you have to get some sleep. You've got that interview tomorrow about Santiago's uh, case." And fellow making moment, I love here because this, this is the moment you realize, you know, Dom's been paranoid. She's been looking for, you know, whose weight was sending. It turns out this woman's the one been sent yeah. by the Dark Army. But what I love in the fellow making here is that when she says that, Dom's, you know, walked halfway back to the house, the camera's behind her, and it kind of, like, goes in, and it's really low angles looking up at her, and what it does here, it's not so much the move that does a, does a, does a bit, it's, just, it's a nice move, don't get me wrong, but what's telling the story here, or adding to the scene, and what, she, what she's basically happening here, is that it perfectly frames that her house, and it's not her house, which is notable, it's her mother's house covered in Christmas decorations, it's her mother's family home where she feels safe, you know, she retreated here after everything that happened, and this is where, even though she's not necessarily, like, the best friends with her mother, like, this is her home life, this is, like, you know, comfort where the home is, it's covered in Christmas decorations, the most, you know, family, comfortable time of the year, you know, jolly, good times, blah, blah, Mm. and the camera's just angled enough in the right way that it's completely framing Dom as she's just really turned around and realized that this is the person yeah. who's here. That realization, that look of horror on her face. Uh, and obviously she does directly threaten her mother uh, in a minute, but like it's, this, this visual is telling you this is what it's, what's being threatened right here. Yeah. Because this yeah, is where it's, it's we very are. clear immediately. Um, yeah. And she said, you know, if you, know, if you don't, you know, cause she says, oh, it's, it's getting kind of suspicious. You've been putting off this interview for a while, you know, talking about what happened with Santiago last season. And, she said, if you don't, I'll have to do something awful. And she says, obviously, we've been used to uh, Mr. Robot dropping F-bombs for a while. Uh, there was a straight-up C-bomb in this scene. Yes, uh, I will slit her mouth to see. Yes, and she smiles really happily as she says it. And then, you know, this is a creepy woman. She gets very creepy in this scene as she's leaving. Immediately, because she was just nice and bubbly, you know. And it, then, it makes it clear it that switches. it makes it clear that if she kills her, if you know, if, if Dom kills her, she'll oh, there'll be more coming. And you know, Dom's looking up and down the street, like looking and for. And it's that that sheer fanaticism as well. It's like, sure, kill me, I don't care. There'll be someone else. Which is in line with Dark Army. This whole we'll kill it ourselves is. before we question kind of thing. That oh, we've absolutely. Been yeah. Um. So uh, there was a scene at what turned out to be Angela's house. I didn't recognize it straight away because it's been covered in photos. And oh, like... I recognized it immediately because of the you know one of the first lines in it is who would live in a place like this, and you see all the black walls. Sure, yeah, yeah. The, the um, black paint. I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that. But Darlene's living here, and she's kind of, you know, breaking down. And the lighting here was very specific. You know, it was very lot of uh, darks, uh, almost sh- uh, silhouettes at times with Darlene um, against the, the harsh light. And she freaks out because people are in Angela's room, and she demands they all leave. But we see she's a wreck. She's taking lots of drugs. She's, you know, not really even thinking about it. Uh, but, you know, after she kicks everyone out, the camera sort of focuses on the ballet slippers uh, on, the, yeah. on, on the floor. And it's like, yeah, because that was their connection. The first time we ever learned that they even knew each other was at this like ballet class or whatever it was they went to, mm. uh, you know, because that was a big moment in the season. I was like, well, these two know each other? What? What's yeah, going on It here? was weird, right, yeah. at, that, at that time. It was a big deal. And yeah, and Darlene just cries on the bed. It's just this heartbreaking moment. Um, Which is a... Uh, and it's why Elliot's not showing her the photo because he's like, no, this might break her even more. Mm-hmm. At the same time, maybe, it w- maybe there's an argument to say it would help to put an end to you know because she's she's not convinced that she's dead so that's she can't cope with that mate as horrible as it would be to see it 
maybe it would help a process and actually you know grieve absolutely so ellie's been obviously we saw him get nabbed by the bad guys mm-hmm. um you know that's that's dark, these dark army dudes um kind of i'll, I'll get to you the kind why the kind of in a minute but uh they're in Elliot's house, and I know he'd actually hear that this was the second scene in the episode uh, that we got a bird's eye shot inside Elliot's apartment. It happened earlier on when he was with Darlene, and mm. it kind of felt like any time, like it was trying to say that, you know, like someone's in over their head, maybe Elliot specifically in this case, where, you know, he thinks he's fighting back, but he's being too reckless, uh, it's going to this bird's eye shot. I think it's notable, because I, I really noticed it this time, because it was, you know, when he's about to be, you know, murdered, essentially, and... Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the last time it was when he was kind of like walking up to Darlene and a couple of bits in that scene. I just thought it was interesting that it happened twice and they were both in the same room, essentially. Uh, you know, there was a very specific stylistic choice there. But uh, Sam Esmail's in this scene and it was this thing where obviously at first you don't see his face. He's sort of like, he's preparing the drugs. They're going to overdose him, basically. And he's preparing the drugs and the only thing that gets his attention when Elliot's like streaming various things to sort of get him to stop is that Elliot does say the name of the bank. Like, I know, I know White Rose's bank. Which is, what, what I think is interesting is, uh, you know, is Elliot's assumption right? You know, he, he refers to the bank as, you know, their heart, right? Mm-hmm. Because this whole show has been, you know, it's this big anti-capitalist agenda Right, and you know, oh, money is the root of all evil has been a, a large part of the show. I, is he right? You know, we, we, we're taking it at face value, but White Rose has been unhinged, should we say? Um, is, is money really, you know, the heart of everything, or can she manage and do, do put her plans in, in another way? Yeah, but you didn't get that from the guy's reaction, though, right? No, no, I, yeah. no, no. Earlier on, the guy's reaction, he paused because it was information he definitely didn't think Elliot had or should know. Uh, I just, I, you know, I, I, uh, I got more earlier when Elliot kind of came to that conclusion. And yeah, we kind of skipped over when he spoke about that earlier. So. Yeah, well, I, for, for me, like, the, the moment here where, like, Esmail reacts to it, because this is Esmail, <laughs> you know, yeah. when I saw him, um, is ties into kind of what happens at the end of this scene so i'll, I'll send a save it for that but um so so they they kill him and they do like a, a great fake out here where you know he 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 falls down they, they all leave the room he falls down he's trying to get to the phone but he's shaking he can't do it we get like essentially his life flashing before his eyes from you know previous you know episodes and yeah. the music is really sad. It's really well done, and it comes up saying directed by Sam Esmail. No, he sees a moment. He sees a moment of his family as well, like hallucinates a moment. Yes, yes. And you know, it, it comes up saying directed by Sam Esmail, uh, which and answers you go, the, what the hell? which answers the question. He did direct this episode, you fool. Um, but it comes up saying directed <laughs> by Sam Esmail, and then it cuts back to him. No, they, they they deliberately fake you out thinking because for a second I was like, well, they killed Angela in the opening scene, like. Could they like somehow have a final season where Ellie is actually killed at the end of episode one, just to be the ballsiest move they could ever do? Oh, yeah, I was like, "What the hell's going on?" For like three or four, like, which is probably why I didn't register that it said directed by Esmail because I was like, "What? What the hell?" I, I, I was like, almost for a split second. I'm like, "Is this going to be like just Darlene Dom and like Price?" I, like, <laughs> I want to give this show so much credit for the fact that even for three seconds, we believed that it was possible. Yeah, I, I didn't. I was. I, I mean, I didn't. I. I like when I said earlier on that I was expecting a swerve with Angela. Like in this moment with Elliot, I definitely expected a swerve. But like you say, for a split second, I thought, "Is Sam Esmail crazy enough to do this?" I. I believed that it was possible for a second. And how many could. shows can you think of that you would even contemplate that? None. <laughs> None, really. I mean, yeah. like, do get me wrong, I was still pretty sure that there was going to be a swerve, and it's like an immediate swerve because, you know... The, yeah, the, I, I thought, oh, it'll be at the start of next yeah. episode. The, 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 the fake out, of course, the director credit comes up, but then it goes goes away, and we go back to Elliot, and you know, they give him a sniffer thingamajig to, like, you know, like, bring him back, you know, counteract. Yeah. And uh, obviously, it's these same three guys, Esmail and the two goons, and then in walks Price and says, welcome back, you know, Mr... Uh, Alderson, Alderson yeah. uh, but what I so I like I like the fake out obviously right I, I like what they're playing with that. Um, so here's my theory here on what's going on. Here's my theory now: whether or not it was planned before, or it only became a plan once he mentioned the bank. Right? Is that technically this is Dark Army, but it's this is like subdivision. This is like working under Price. That Price is in charge of these guns, right? Clearly. Um, yeah. 
I think Price wants to fight White Rose, and I think he he wanted he wanted proof that Elliot was dead, so it had to look real. So you know, I, we don't see them take a photo or anything like that. But, but there's I, probably cameras in the room. Yeah, I think um, he wants White Rose to think Elliot is dead, and they come back in and resuscitate him because I think he wants to use Elliot, team up, whatever you want to call it. I think he wants to to take Warty White Rose, and yeah, I think I, um... and I think the reason for this is because much going back to this the first scene is I think the inspiration of Angela's death and his drive this season is to actually fight back for better or worse. Yeah, I uh, I suspect the bank doesn't necessarily change the plan. I don't I don't, I don't think it did. I think uh, Price probably was like, hey, if there's anyone that can do it, mm. it's it's Elliot anyway, right? You no, know, it was just... he, he's been the thorn in the side for so long. Yeah, uh, the only reason I say that because you know when Esmail reacted to that moment, and oh, we, we can't gloss over the goodbye friend. Can I... No, no, I thought I honestly I thought they were saving that for the last episode. Yeah, well, do you know what I like about it is obviously it makes it's a great moment because like yeah, like it's really selling that he might be about to die, right? Because goodbye friend. But the meta-ness of this because it's Sam Esmail himself saying goodbye friend is freaking insane. The fact that the creator of the show is saying goodbye friend to his character is absurd, which I think is probably why he gave himself this part. That's probably the, the point of just, it. Just for shits and giggles of, of how meta it is. Um, I, I don't know how much more of him we're going to get, but like, you know, here he was. But yeah, I, I think Price clearly wants to wants to work with Elliot and very lately wants to convince White Rose that he's dead, which is where, you know, when we go back to talking about could Angela somehow be a swerve, like, if he's doing this with Elliot, is it completely out the realm of possibility that somehow, even though it didn't look like it, I admit the opening scene, it does not look like, he looks like he's genuinely mortified by what's happening, it looks like a real killing. But And there's the photo that Elliot gets sent as well. Yeah, but if, I mean, photos can be doctored. They can be doctored, yeah. yeah. Right. I, I, ass- I assume he'd have done his research on it, though. But I'm just saying, it does raise the question, if he, if he's, if that's what he does here in the final scene with Elliot, if he, if he is capable of doing this and he has that idea, and you know, is it possible that he technically already did it with Angela? I think, yes, it's possible. I'm not going to rule it out. Right. I think it's significantly less likely due to the method and his reactions. Uh, yeah, we spoke about you know, reaction already and the method being the gunshot. This here, the reason why I think it was the plan all along mm. and not just, um, you know, when, when the bank came up is because I don't think this drug necessarily fully killed him. Because he came back so easily, they just, you know, it wasn't like a full resuscitation. It was, you know, it, you know, it was quite a simple method, counteracting the drug that they put into his system. Yeah, they gave him something specifically they could remedy quickly. Yes, not just something to kill him. Uh, you know, no, that's fair. And, and that's fair. That, that's my assumption, anyway. No, that's fair. Um, I, yeah, I'm intrigued by this. I mean. I'm intrigued by the idea of Price wanting to fight back, and even though he still may not never be a good per se character, and I don't know if I necessarily want to call it a redemption per se, but at least a redemption in the sense that he wants to fight for Angela, he wants to fight for that, and because we care about Angela, we can get behind him. We can get behind it's, him because we care about why he cares about it. And I think it's interesting because we've seen how unwilling he is to fight for himself, mm. uh, like repeatedly. So the fact that he is willing to fight for Angela... I, now, I think that's uh, pretty true to life, actually. I think there's a lot of people who won't stick up for themselves, but if you threaten someone they care about, like, they will... Yeah. You know, like, like it's like a different part of their brain. Like, they, they, they can't quite do it for themselves, but they'll do it for someone else they care about. Yeah, no, I, um, I get that. Um, but I think it makes him... If if this is the route we're going, I think it makes him a tiny bit more likable. That, hey, you know, he, mm. he was willing to let himself get walked all over, but when it came to his daughter... There's a, there was a line that was crossed. And Joe, Joe, what I like about this as well is that I, I don't remember like disliking the fact that that was you know he was her father like at the end of the last season you know, when that was revealed. Um, if I, I think we I even spoke about it before has a possibility. I remember like yeah, sort of, I remember us going over it, uh, especially in the episode where we saw them as kids. Yeah, I, I think uh, I, I seem to recall rubbing it in your face. I think I, I thought of it first. <laughs> not not, and I'm not trying to rub it in now. I'm just I, I vaguely remember rubbing it in your face. <laughs> I mean. I honestly cannot remember the the specificity specificity of that conversation, but that sounds like something you would remember. Yeah, for for any for anyone who just watched the season three reviews, uh, which are worth uh, see season two ones were shaky. I don't think we quite hit our groove yet, but season three's reviews I'm quite proud of. Go back and watch season three reviews. Go go see if I was rubbing that in his face at some point at the end of the season. Um, and and if he was, 
was it because I actually disagreed with him at some point over it? Or was it just because he was like, well, I got it first? I hope you fought me. I hope you said, no, it's not. It's precious the way he's precious for father. That, that'll be goofy. <laughs> I hope you I, I, I might, Do you know what? Sounds like someone I might have said. I'm not going to lie. Um, but I think this, all this stuff, you know, I don't know. I don't remember exactly how I felt at the reveal, but all of this stuff, I think, is giving it weight that makes it all worth the reveal. Mm, I agree. So, um, If I wasn't on board at the time, for whatever reason, because... Mm. I'm not. I'm not confident enough to say I was on board. Uh, <laughs> I am now, with some time and and the way it's played here. Yeah, we've had two years between seasons to exactly. get used to Which the idea. Which is why I'm not entirely confident on what I said. <laughs> oh god. Um. No, I really like it. And obviously, we still have the mystery of what is this this thing, this device, this shipment thing. Yeah. You know. We know she's built something in the Congo. Yeah. But... Well, it's not in the Congo yet. It's going to. No, the no, Congo. but that's yeah. what it's going to. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm. I am. I am. I am obviously intrigued. I am so happy to have Mr. Robot back. It's going to be a wild twelve weeks. You know what? I, I felt really bad after I watched this episode because mm-hmm. not three days ago at work, someone was watching. You know, two show and they went, "Oh, how do you feel about?" It? I went, oh, "I can't remember what the show was, but I was just like, eh, I don't think it's that good." And we go on then. What are your favorite shows? And I forgot, Mr. Robot. And I feel ashamed that I forgot to say Mr. Robot because at this point, I'm assuming it's going to stick the landing because I have no reason to doubt Esmail. Mm-hmm. And at that point, yeah, I'm pretty confident saying it's going to be one of my favorite shows of all time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I feel bad for forgetting it like three days ago. Yeah, Mr. Robot's back and it's off to a very good start. Um, like I say, I, I think it's not quite the knockout of the park that the season three opener was, but the opening and closing scenes um we're like it is and just next level the direction throughout is like nothing else on tv and even in like the more mundane scenes that yeah by comparison it's still there it's ever present and it's excellent and it's always just i, I talk about camera moves and camera cuts and tricks in this show a lot more than i do any other TV in some show. movies and some movies yeah um like the, the the cinematography is constantly telling me things and the visuals that are either new information or enhancing what's been said in the scene, and yeah. that's very impressive. And it's part of why Mister Robot's such a good show. Uh, but there you go. That is episode one of season four, uh, unauthorized. So uh, do obviously let us know what you think of the episode in the comments. Uh, you can like and subscribe, ding that bell to make sure you get the uh, notifications. Uh, you can of course rate the audio podcast, the almost cancelled audio feed podcast uh, on Apple Podcast. Give us five stars if you like what we do and what what support us and have it recommended to more people. You can support us of course financially. You can go over to Patreon.com/slash/MailFuzzTV where you can support us for as little as one dollar per month and you get access to bonus stuff. Of deleted tangents and things like that and you can uh you know just get a bunch of stuff uh but yeah, that helps support the content and keep everything coming uh so go do that if you if you if you feel like it and uh otherwise you guys on twitter at mailed underscore fuzz for channel updates uh but that is that is us so thank you once again for watching or listening uh we always appreciate it keep watching tv guys goodbye friend <laughs>